It's really frustrating when something breaks or just doesn't work. This is true of everything from a garage door not opening to a light bulb burning out. We just want things to work. It seems though, this is somehow doubly frustrating when what fails is our tech. The printer runs out of ink when you need to print that boarding pass, or your phone freezes up completely after a bad update. Or the Roomba gets stuck on the same rug no matter how many times you tell it to try to not go there. Yeah, we've all been there and it sucks. But for all the times the technology seems to fail us, recently we started talking about all the times we, the human, failed the technology. Was the printer blinking a low ink light for weeks before it finally ran out? Or how many other times did we skip that update before it finally bricked the phone? Now that I think about it, did I actually update the Roomba's cleaning map, or did I just yell at the robot expecting it to know what I wanted? All those examples are frustrating for sure, but thankfully none of them are what I would call dangerous. When it comes to our data, privacy, and digital well-being though, that story can change in an instant. See, for all the firewalls, multi-factor authentication, and advanced security software we put up in the name of staying safe, all that goes right out the window the moment we fill out a bogus survey or hand over critical access information to Jeff from the IT department. So once again, let's take a minute, slow down to speed up, and talk through all the ways we can help stop attackers from hacking the human. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's Solid State Podcast. I'm your host, John Joyce. I'm Eric Sargent. And I'm Cody Toscano. And uh, this week on our very technology-related, adjacent, whatever you want to call it, podcast, <laughs> we are uh, we are here only very loosely to talk about technology. Yeah, because, there you go. Yeah. Uh, uh, so we are... Uh, We've referenced it many times in the past, and I hate to break it to you, we'll circle back to it many more times in the future. Um, security is a huge component of participating in technology, and that's in any form. It's not just in business. It's not just in the actual security sector. It comes down to the photos on your phone, the you know the you know, tax statements you know in your OneDrive yeah. somewhere or on a hard drive somewhere in your house. I mean, our... The, the digital footprint that we've referred to so many times is frankly a very, very valuable target to a lot of not great people out there that are very, very good at getting to it. I mean, it's just oh yeah, never wanting to kick off on doom and gloom, but the reality of that is something that if we do just stick our heads in the sand is something that's so easy to skip right over the top of, so... With that, I, I already alluded, we're not, we're not even here necessarily to talk about the technology that surrounds that. And you know, we have done in the past, and again, we'll do so in the future, because that is, to me at least, a very interesting segment of what we yeah. do. Um, Eric, it directly ties to your you know, day-to-day right. and your yeah. actual role <laughs> in the company we serve. But um, no, it's not. we're actually here to talk about all of the far less, if not entirely non-technological ways that security directly impacts our digital footprint, our digital selves, because... As we were you know, kind of chatting the other day, it became you know apparent security tech has gotten very very good. It's not perfect, not by a long right. shot. It fails all the time, there or I should say, ways around it. Yeah, right, right. Even more frequently than it failing, it's circumvented. Right. Um, but what we kind of you know arrived at as one of you know many possible conclusions is in a lot of these situations, it's far easier anymore to not anymore hack the technology but to hack the human mm-hmm. right. because we, we, the person behind the keyboard, we, the human fail the tech, in my opinion, at least so much more often than the tech naturally fails us. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's the, that's the 
biggest point of entry for hackers is is through the human element rather than through the machine. It's so much easier to get into anything, you know, if they let you in. And and that's the thing they yeah. can, can they're so good at convincing someone that they, you know, they belong in there. That you know, I guess my analogy, and we'll go right into it here. The analogy that I always look for is the is the more you know, in-person side of things that if you walk into a building holding a clipboard or a ladder, <laughs> anyone will let you in. There's well, actually like an article, belong, sure there's actually a video out there that somebody posted like a YouTube video or something. These guys walk in with a, I think it was like an eight or a 10 foot ladder. It was not a small ladder, but they walked in two of them carrying it, just the ladder. They were in regular clothes and they had a ladder and they walked into a mall and walked into the movie theater in the mall walked right past the ticket person, walked in, sat down, watched the movie, then picked up the ladder and walked back out again. And no one asked them a single question because <laughs> they thought they belonged there. Right. Yeah. The confidence, right? <laughs> right. That person, those two guys hacked every human that they passed into thinking that they belonged there, which is crazy to me. Yeah. It's just that easy. Well, and that's just it. Cause we, we, you know, we, the users or we as business people or you know, what have you, all, all the layers of the technology world out there, uh, we invest, hopefully, you know, I, I recommend you do by the way, <laughs> yeah. invest appropriately, but heavily into that security at the business mm -hmm. level, into having the right security software, the right security hardware, a good, you know, uh, footprint of policies and procedures and just the, the, the design for securing your business or on the home front anymore. It is the same strategy at a different scale, having the right technology, both software and hardware in place and not having your critical data live in just one location ever. And anymore, I do mean even in the cloud, it should not live right. in just one place right. in the cloud. Mm -hmm. We deal and with that, unfortunately, all the time where that fails. And on the business side as well, you know, even on the home side, if you can find it, but some regular training for people as well in your business, just to go over the basics of what to look for mm -hmm. makes a huge difference because you can put all the hardware in there you want. But like you said, if the people working for you don't know what to look for, yep, they're an easier target. So... And yeah, that, they've and, seen and, it in the training. They may, you know, right. they've encountered it before. They're more yeah. likely. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, the training piece is so, it can't be overstated the importance, but it's skipped over top so, so, so often. Because, again, we think we've got all the shiny widgets in place. We've stroked the check. We've bought the thing. Now we must be safe, right? Mm -hmm. But the yeah. problem is, and I'm sure it's a, you know, a phrase that goes well beyond this one interaction, but I was, I was at a, a conference a year or so ago. Um, and someone there said something that really stuck with me. And he's like, yeah, you know, the human firewall is one of the most often overlooked, but most important components of your network security strategy. And again, I do believe that applies both at the workplace and at home, if not more so, because that, that exactly what you're talking about, Eric and Cody, that, that human firewall training people, arming them with the intellectual tools necessary mm -hmm. to identify because that's really one of the most important first steps knowing you're under attack because that's where mm -hmm. so many of these anymore start out as someone just bold-faced lying to you mm -hmm. right hey i'm jim from the it company hey this is CenturyLink. there's a problem with your connection can i get on your computer to run some tests you know what i mean right. i mean the list mm -hmm. goes on and on and your, on of the your password it, is expiring please click sure. on this link to reset to yeah, reset your account will be deleted <laughs> Yep. I'm in a meeting. Please go buy five Home Depot <laughs> gift cards and send me the codes. Like, again, the yeah. list goes mm -hmm. on and on and on. And 
in some of these situations, do they compromise a spam filter? Yes. Are they looking to inject some code that's hoping to sidestep your antivirus or EDR or what have you? Yes. But going back to hacking the human in most, if not all, but definitely most of those situations, this attack can't just perpetuate itself. And we're mm-hmm. not going to get lost down the rabbit holes of all the ways that we do get attacked, mm-hmm. um, where it's wholly technology, where I mean, a human still had to make a mistake, in my opinion. But if you leave your firewall open and someone does a port scan and just finds a way to walk in, other than the human not closing the port, right. they don't need any human interaction for that attack. But Eric, mm-hmm. you, you talked about it right there. You know, that, that, even semi well-crafted email that just has all the right logos and all the right places. And people are just, I hate to say they're too busy to care. Mm -hmm. And I get it today, possibly more than ever. Most folks are sitting down trying to put 10 hours, 15 hours of work into an eight, nine hour day and the physics don't work. So what Mm -hmm. do we do? We get busy, we get harried, click, 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 type, 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 type. Mm -hmm. And you just don't, I don't have, you know, air quotes here. I don't have time to have an expired password causing me to miss my deadline at 4.59. Nor do I have time to call my IT company to double check on this email because it it looks, it's legitimate. Look, I mean, it's definitely from Microsoft. It says Microsoft, right? The signature's in there. It looks like it comes from some kind of a Microsoft account, but they always have weird accounts. I'm just going to click on this and take care of it so I don't have to worry about it later. And then boom, their email's hacked. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, so I mean, and we could sit here and you know pontificate from on high forever because unfortunately it's a big part of that day job we always talk about. Yeah, um, and it is what there there is a group of people out there that trust us to help protect them from exactly these situations. But you know, you know we came here today to talk more about those situations, the one where. Yes, there's obviously technology involved, but it's being perpetrated by an attack through the human where we are the target. They want to compromise us to then compromise something at a larger scale. Again, if this is at a home, um, they're looking to get through to get to your bank accounts or get Mm -hmm. to your investment portfolio, get to your private information to go open up 20 credit cards. I mean, the list the list goes on and on Um, the stakes, obviously. I mean, obviously, to me, there are no greater stakes than someone getting into my personal bank account or my other information. But the scope of those stakes grows even greater when we then add the workplace to the situation, because now the trickle down effect is to your coworkers, Mm -hmm. the the people that your company might serve, you know, having a place to come to work to on Monday, like all of those things that the, 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 the scale, it stacks and stacks and stacks. So in that regard, you know, question for you guys. You know, we keep talking about you know hacking the human. What are let's not even fix it yet. What are in you guys' experience? Because you guys are on the front lines of this truly every day. We've alluded to a few of them, but if you had to pick a few of the most common ones that people fall for, how how are, how are they getting away with it? Yeah, I mean, the first one that I that comes to mind is the example that we kind of gave already, which is that email. Which yeah, it will it will look Absolutely. it will look like it comes from Microsoft. It will have a link in it that goes to a website that looks exactly like a Microsoft website mm-hmm. and asks you for your email address and password. A lot of times, when you put in your email address and password, it will capture that, then transfer you to the actual site and log you in. So to you, wow. the user. It looks just like you just logged into successfully your logged account. in. Mm-hmm. But if you look, the the thing to look out for is that original web address from the link you click on that comes up where you enter it. The top will be either 
some crazy foreign website or something that, that doesn't have Microsoft.com right. in there anywhere, or it will be the one that I saw recently was um, it had a local path on it, like your C drive, C slash, and like the temp folder, because right. mm -hmm. it was actually just opening an HTML html file that it downloaded from your temp folder and then it yep. would forward that information to them once you actually process through it so it's just microsoft's never going to send you one of those right no. they're not going to send you that the bottom line is the majority of these things that you get that's asking for a password or frankly if somebody calls you or whatever and asks for bank information microsoft will never do that your bank mm -hmm. will never do that not ever <laughs> so yep, never yeah. You know, it's, it's just like, it's one, it's just, it's one of those learning things. You, you panic in the moment. That's what they're hoping for is they're yep. hoping for that moment of like stomach sinking panic when you see that and then you lose all sense of reason and you click on it because you just don't want to deal with this yeah. problem. Right I have now. a meeting starting in five minutes right. and I have to get to the spreadsheet for get out of my way technology so I can do right. my job. And then mm -hmm. we've walked right into the trap. Right. And they cast their net so wide. They're sending mm -hmm. out millions of those emails. And even if they get 1% of 1% of those people to yeah. click on that link and enter the information, they're getting thousands of people's. And then from there they can take those people's, um, you know, contact information and send out, thousands more email messages right. and yep. more mm -hmm. and it just kind of spreads all over like a virus and then you know they're getting they're collecting all this information they're not necessarily using it right away either that's the that's the biggest tricky thing about it is you do this you put in your username and password and you click beyond it it logs you into the actual site or it just like you know you get a white page and you're like yeah. oh that's weird and you close out of it and you move on with your day nothing may come of it for weeks or even months because they stick that username and password in a database and then yep. all of a sudden, weeks or months later, your friends will contact you and go, why'd you send me this? Mm -hmm. If you even see it at all, because they could have been camping in your mailbox camping the entire in your time. account. So, you know, it's, it's tricky. And that's the biggest one for me anyway, that I see is that email. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was going to, I was going to agree. I, I see a definitely a lot of like, Hey, here's your invoice for this thing that you normally pay for. Oh, and yeah. boom, it's like, it's like an attachment. That's an HTML file or something. Um, <clears throat> alternatively, like I, I see a lot of text messaging, um, which sure you mentioned before, but like even, you know, in personal lives, like people I know, Hey, I got a text that says like, uh, something's up with like my Amazon account. Like, you know, they even and like ping it off you because they have right. it yes. in their head, right? Mm -hmm. and, and comparatively speaking, that one's relatively new. I mean, I don't mean yesterday, yeah. but mm -hmm. I mean, email spam and phishing, for example, you know, we like to say in meetings, spam has been around since email. You know what I mean? And therefore, oh, yeah. these types of, you know, phishing attacks have really been around as long as email and, and the cloud, et cetera. But you're right, Cody, those, that's a really great example in my mind of applying a well-established attack to a mm -hmm. relatively new threat vector, which is the pervasive existence of smartphones and SMS texting and, you know, yeah. uh, doing so much of this account management from the phone. I think about all the people I know definitely personally, and I know it comes into business as well, where there are a lot of interactions they make with their with their online digital footprint that they never make anywhere but on their phone. Yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, I've, I'll, I use my brother as an example all the time because we're a decent number of years apart. So, you know, we just come from two different technology generations. We just mm -hmm. do. And, you know, his friends who are also by extension, my friends, so I know them all pretty well. I would be willing to bet that if I took a poll of them, more than 75% of them have never logged into Amazon.com. Mm -hmm. ever just, you know what yeah. i mean right like, like the actual they, website yeah okay. right they've yeah. never sat down to a computer went to 
www.amazon.com and logged in. They've only ever used the app. Maybe they've hit the web app once or twice if a legitimate or illegitimate link has bounced them there somehow. Mm -hmm. So when we think about then, Cody, to your really good point, those more condensed experiences, because if you're on your phone, now they're running at best a 50-50 chance that you're either maybe just chilling on the couch and you're going to like have more presence of mind Mm -hmm. to like suss it out. Or are you literally, I hate to say it, don't do this at home, sitting at a red light, you happen to check Mm -hmm. your phone. This is the last time you're going to think about that for the rest of the day. I don't have time to deal with this right now. Click reset my password. Mm -hmm. And you know, just that quick, just that, you know, air quotes here, easy. The attack has been made. And to both your points, you don't always know it right away. Like mm-hmm. Once they're in, they could be in. I know, Cody, you and I had this experience with a, with a client partner of ours where um, the head of a company had his email account was compromised by way of even yet another person in the organization who happened to have the admin rights. So the attack came in through someone who had admin rights. They then did their little sniffing around, located someone of importance within the company, and then what, Cody? I think it was two or three months we figured they had mm-hmm. been sitting in that account yeah. fully mm-hmm. authenticated and just watching for the right set of circumstances, the right set of emails to exchange, and without telling secrets out of class, perpetrated wire fraud as a result. Mm-hmm. You know, they literally intercepted the perfect email, injected their own wire information, and tens of thousands of dollars were just gone. And yep. that it, you know, and they sat very, very patiently waiting. Because yep. you're right, Eric, a lot of these attacks are designed to get at a very, very wide net to collect, you know, death by a thousand paper cuts and mm-hmm. get it at as pennies at a time. Others are much more patient because they're looking for a quote unquote big score. Mm-hmm. And depending on who the attacker is, a big score to them might be tens of thousands of dollars. Other times we're dealing with, you know, state level or larger level attacks that are looking to interrupt infrastructure or at minimum in you know, have millions of dollars of direct impact mm-hmm. so. yeah like that pipeline a few years ago keystone pipeline, pipeline. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or, i'm sorry yeah, colonial pipeline my bad <laughs> mm-hmm. so many pipelines um, yeah um the other one the other big one is one that we've been seeing more recently ramp up is and again this is very much a hacking the human situation is right. you alluded to it earlier john people will get a phone call saying I, hey i'm joe from it and that's yeah, all they mm-hmm. identify themselves as. And people will just go, okay, you know, yeah, you're calling from IT. They need to get in my computer to check something. I, I do this literally all the time. I did this mm-hmm. yesterday. I called somebody and said, hey, I'm getting an alert on your system. I need to jump in and check something out. And I identified myself and the company I was from, and they know that they work with us. So I identified the specific company. That's a little different, but they will just call and say, I'm from IT. And mm-hmm. the people will just let them in the computer because I don't know anything about computers. I'm not, you know, I hear this. This is the, the phrase that I hear the most is I'm, I'm not very technologically inclined or I don't mm-hmm. know a whole right. lot about computers. Totally. I hear it all the time. And it's like, I get that. That's Absolutely. fine. But you still, there's still some things that I guess that, and again, it goes back to that training that we need to instill enough in everyone that it becomes mm-hmm. common sense, which is like, you know, you've got to pay attention to who you're, and, and we have a solve for this. And it's, and it's, you know, a very much a, a person to person solve, which is, you know, the safe word, which mm-hmm. is something that we're setting up with a lot of, a lot of a people lot of now is, yep. is, you know, we called their, their lead out there. We talked to them 
and we come up with a with a password that only they and we know. We document it safely and securely and encrypt it on our side so that when we call one of their people and say, hey, I need to get into your computer to work on something, they can say, okay, what's the passphrase? They can right. challenge or, us. They, yeah. they have a challenge code for us, and then we can look in our notes and get that challenge code, and when we give them the correct challenge code, then they know it's us, and they can let us in the computer. That stops all of that stuff in its tracks right there, but you have to have that foresight to set something like that up. And of course, mm -hmm. we're going through and talking with our clients and we're doing that with yep. people that we serve. But if you're out there listening to this podcast and you don't hear my voice when we're talking about this, when you call your IT company, ask them about <laughs> something like that, because it's a good yep. thing to get set up because it, it'll save your bacon. Because we literally have had two instances in the last six months, three to six months, Easily. with people letting someone into their computer from mm -hmm. the outside and and you know they they realize that after they get in there and they're clicking on stuff they shouldn't and they unplug their computer and then they call us right yep. which is fine but that's a little bit of a reactive after the fact thing we need to try to not let them in the computer in the first place because who knows what kind of payload they can drop off in the background i can when i get remotely connected to a computer we can transfer files without the without the person having to click yes allow this transfer because yep. totally. once you've already let them in the computer they have a lot of those rights and they don't need you to approve again to transfer stuff so they could just have stuff sitting in the background monitoring the computer from that point so you got to be yep. careful to not let them in to begin with so that's the other one those are those are my top three i guess between the ones that cody and i said are are very much the ones we see the most oh yeah i would agree totally well and even so we we've talked on the show before about you know on some of our other security you know centric episodes about multi-factor authentication. Yep. And obviously mm -hmm. that is, this is not to downplay its importance because it remains one of the most important first emphasis on first steps yeah. mm -hmm. to securing either yourself, your business, your accounts, your information, what, what have you. I mean, across the, we'll go back to the Amazon example. I remember that was one of the first quote unquote, non-work related places I implemented it because I just had this like shuddering moment of, you know, beyond my bank account itself, which also had it, of course. Um, I'm like, what is the one place where if someone got into, they could reach almost, I, I hate to say it, almost every payment method at my disposal because I'm a creature of convenience, is saved in my Amazon account. Yep. If they wanted mm -hmm. to simultaneously hit almost, not literally, but almost every way that I have to exchange money with someone for goods, <laughs> it's saved on that stupid Amazon account. So you want to talk about a big fat target. Um, and that, of course, you know, quick side aside there too, um, it doesn't require Amazon getting hacked for them to get your password. Right. If right. you've used that password a hundred different places, which every single one of us has been guilty of at one yes. time or another. Yeah, yeah. I've got this super great password. It's burned in my brain forever. Now let me use it everywhere because I'm never going to forget that password. The problem is if one company out of a hundred gets compromised and their password list leaks, the other 99 places you used that password are now at risk. Because Eric, you said it before, those passwords get put onto lists that it could be, we're still dealing with fallout today from credentials that were sold on the dark web from the target hack. I, I don't know how many years ago yeah, it was. Years ago. That was a while ago, but yep. Yeah. But I mean, it was massive. It was an enormous database of user information that was chopped up and sold. And it's still because people change their passwords so infrequently or use them and reuse them so many times. It's still a relevant vector of attack today mm -hmm. in 2023. Yeah. And I want to make this a very clear PSA. This is not me telling you to not change your passwords because definitely change your passwords. But 
having MFA in place, having that multi-factor right. authentication in place, if you have those passwords you've used everywhere, it, it kind of stops them from, because even if they get that password from that hack, they can't get into your account if it has MFA enabled because they would need your phone with the MFA code mm-hmm. or your other email account with the yep. MFA code, however you've got it set up to also get into the account. So it helps you stop that from happening, which, you know, is great, but still, you know, go around and update your passwords. It's <laughs> important yes, too. It has good practice, yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, now you did tee it up perfectly though, Eric, for again, the, the topic of today's episode, which is hacking the human, because the MFA is incredibly powerful at stopping the hacker. I, I, I use that exact example in meetings all the time. Please don't do this, but you could go get a billboard, put your username and password up on that billboard, and no one's getting into your account unless you also hand them your phone. And mm-hmm. that's a really great place to be. Like, that is a great starting mm-hmm. point. Yeah. But going back to where we, the human, fail the technology is all that protection, all that security doesn't matter if going back to our earlier example, if Joe from IT calls and says, hey, I've noticed some suspicious activity on your account, I'm going to send you a six-digit code. Could you please read it to me over the phone? And you then hand the hacker the MFA code. We have now, or they have now successfully undone every single layer of right. protection in that scenario. So you yeah, let let's, them through the front door. Let's back up for a second on that because that's a really good point. And I just want to make that very clear. So yeah, that is the way that they get past MFA is mm-hmm. they sit at your account login and then call yep. you saying they're from IT and then they go to log into your account, which sends the MFA code and you give them, don't ever give anyone that MFA no, code. That is no. for you to type in, not for you and else. you only. If, yeah. if you're because it's very easy for that to give the appearance of legitimacy. Oh my gosh, they just made this appear on my phone. They must be they, who, yep. who they say they exactly. are. Exactly. All they have to have is those credentials, which we've already discussed all the different ways they could have potentially gotten them already, either from an earlier phishing attack or an account compromise elsewhere, or or what or you know if you have a crap password and they've just cracked yes, it, yeah. it mm-hmm. they, they, they've they can tell very quickly that it's an MFA protected account. And then they find if they, if your contact information is readily available, going back to what information do we just leave out there for people to find and use to social engineer us looking at you, Facebook account, Twitter mm-hmm. account, LinkedIn account, you oh, know, yeah. social, social the media me is page, a treasure trove. The about yeah. me page on your company's website. Company website. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know we all want to, going back to the business sense of it, we all feel this imperative to make ourselves appear accessible to anyone who might want to reach us. But the problem is we're also just blasting the tools out there that are needed to be used against you or your business or your clients. So rethink it. On that about page, is there real value in your direct desk phone number, your email address? You're like all the, does that all need to be there? Or are there other ways for people to get that information that's much more direct? Yeah, that, I think you know, I think of that more. like, you know, you get you get those about me pages with C level people on there wanting to be accessible and putting yep. their information out there and then they hack somebody not a C level employee, just mm-hmm. general employee, but in that employee's mailbox is a signature template, which they grab, then they take the information from the website and transplant it in there and then start sending emails to every employee as the CEO of the company asking for target gift cards or, yep. you know, yep. whatever, whatever the hack of the day is. And and then they appear, the email looks completely legitimate. They've got all the information in there. They've got his phone number, you know, the right phone number, the right email address, everything. And it's it's all just sitting out there on the web for the taking because no one thinks about that. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and you just teed up perfectly, Eric. You know, one of the one of the most direct examples that we unfortunately experienced very you know directly um, from one of our partners uh, what was a genuine hacking the human situation, and that was one where this involved zero account compromises. It was strictly they it, w- it was an engineered attack. So it was a situation with a with a contractor with a builder. They're a, a GC. And they had a subcontractor who, let me back up, the hacker, and the only part we don't know, and we've got some theories, but not that's not the point of today's story. Um, <laughs> the hacker purchased a pair of domains that were one letter off right. from the subcontractor. Classic. They then, rather than emailing the client directly, because that might have been risky, they emailed the GC as the sub convinced the right. person at the GC that they were no longer taking checks and that all payments need to be made by wire and asked them to, for them to hand it on to the client who needed to make the progress payment on the project. Their own GC from the legitimate, and this was not a hack, this was not the hacker sending the email. This came from the project manager to the client saying, hey, I just heard from XYZ company, they're no longer accepting checks we need to wire we need to set up a wire transfer to send them the payment for this upcoming progress payment on this part of the project they're doing so the hacker knew they knew the end game they knew they wanted to get to the client right and how they knew that information for a different day but they they knew enough to know to, to know that so but rather than go directly and raise the suspicion that way they went to they added even more legitimacy to their claim because now it wasn't just an email coming to the client from a one letter off email address. Mm-hmm. It was an email going to the GC from that. And then a fully legitimate email from the GC to the client saying per the below, please update the payment information and wire this to XYZ company right, right mm-hmm. away. So they don't miss this project deadline. Right. So the only back compromised information busy. was two emails down. In the re- yep. in the reply in the email, yep. And the new ones were coming. Yeah, that that and that was one of the craftier ones that we've seen. No, they buried. Sure. But going yeah. back to we're too busy. Who is? I hate to say it myself, include, who's going to scroll that far down in the thread and slow down? Not to because all the information there looked perfectly legitimate. Who's going to scroll down that far in the thread? Read every single email. There was probably eight people copied on this thread. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they're going to sit there and read every single at every single me- on the thread because. Most of us, even if they take the time to read down, are going to read as far as the next, maybe the second email in the thread. And even then, only the two line. And that's pretty And if all they were looking for the, right. And even if they're just looking at the two or the from line, this was so well crafted, they were never going to see it. So, I mean, kudos, I guess. I mean, I hate you people, but. um, (laughs) I mean, it was definitely, it was definitely crafty. It was, you know, and they. And yeah. it was targeted. It was I mean, targeted. Yeah. Obviously, I mean, this was a highly targeted example. They, they were they, they were, were sitting after. in that mailbox for who knows how long, monitoring, waiting info. for oh, that yeah. perfect moment because they gather yeah. all the info, they get it all together. They 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 were in there long enough to suss out how the business worked, how these right. transactions. Who were do I contact? Place. What do I ask? How yeah. do I ask it? Right. Yeah. And, you know, as from what I'm familiar, that unfortunately, it paid, in a literal sense, it paid off. Mm-hmm. They were very, very patient and they got away with a substantial attack. And this happens at scale all the time. Yep, but there was, uh, other than, to your point, 
with the amount of information they had, someone's account got compromised somewhere along the way. But yep. other than that original compromised account that gave them the info they used, every other element of that attack was perpetrated from the outside in. They bought the domains. Mm-hmm. They, so they didn't, they didn't send them from a compromised account. They sent them from email accounts they set up from domains they bought and still pulled off the attack without ever having compromised an account again and got away with a substantial sum of money. And this is happening every day all over the place. And so going back, Cody, going back to your point about training and whatnot, I mean, we can tell people all day long, Hey, if you're suspicious, contact your IT company. If you don't have time, slow down and read who is it actually from. Hover over the name in the sender line. Are, if there's links in the email, don't click on them. If it's telling you to go to the office website, go to office.com. You know, actually mm-hmm. type in the link and, and then go the log links. in. Yeah. Don't click on the, you know, all these things. But in this situation, and I, I imagine there's many, many more just like it. You know, going back to hacking the human, our our advice to the client in question was because they, they asked, you know, once the dust settled from what had happened and they were involving the other right parties, it was, hey, you know, they asked the right question. What do we do in the future? And mm-hmm. what, something I advise in these meetings all the time is, if they're going to try to hack us as the human, re-involve the humans. So if mm-hmm. someone's asking to update payment information pick up that dusty thing on the corner of your desk called a phone type in you know type geez dial the phone number directly of the company that alleges to be asking you for this information and talk to the person and eric to your point earlier don't call the number in their signature line because it could be changed yeah that's good don't you don't click reply like literally go through the alternate means get trusted information for how to contact these people and talk to them and all roads lead back to quote unquote we're so busy but having the literal conversation verbal confirmation exchange information that only they would do something to make sure that hey this seems out of the ordinary can you verify this for me? Or, Hey, we have a policy in place that no wire transfer can be fired off without, you know, without verbal or physical verification of X, Y, Z. I mean, there are way, if they're going to hack us as the human, then the onus is on us as the human to both put up and then follow the safeguards that we need to prevent these types of attacks. Yeah. That, that, nugget that you just put out there is one of the biggest things that I relate to people. When we get these messages, we get a lot of emails throughout the day from people who've gotten spoofed emails from somebody trying to get information and we get the message, Hey, is this one legitimate? That that's, you know, they're just asking us, Hey, is this a legitimate email? And you know, you look and it's, it's coming from someone because their email account got hacked and then they're sending you a message to try to hack your mail account. And my number one recommendation for these people is, do you have, do you deal with this person? Like if you don't deal with this person ever, if this is the first time you've seen an email from them, don't click on it. We're just going to block it. If this is somebody that you deal with on a regular basis, do you have a phone number for them in your Rolodex and your contact information? Mm -hmm. Call that number, ask them if they sent that email. That's the only way to be sure. You know, that's, that's the foolproof way is if you deal with this person on a regular basis, get them on the phone with a number, you know, is a good phone number for them, not the one in the email because that could have been changed. So, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's. Again, hacking the human, the, the uh-huh. bring the human back into the equation because the minute that you just start clicking through stuff and typing in information onto websites or, or replying back with information or, yeah, I'll go grab you those gift cards. The minute you start doing that without double checking with a with an actual live person, 
they win. So yeah, always check in with the human. For yeah, sure. it's like that cycle, you know, it keeps working. So it keeps, you know, they keep doing it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. As long yeah. as we keep responding, as long as we keep legitimizing the attack, the attack mm-hmm. is going to keep happening. Yep. And the thing is, the minute that we get this under control and everybody learns these pieces of information we're putting out there right now, they're going to pivot to a new scam. And sure. then we're going to have to relearn the playbook. It's going to always change. But yeah, the, these are smart people. I mean, there, there's no yep. getting around that. There, I, Believe me, I wish more of them would use their talents for good because yeah. these are smart people. Um, you know, we, we talk all the time. I think we've even talked on previous episodes about, you know, obviously we've now, you know, beat to death how important MFA is. And I can't be right. that to death enough. It's hugely important. Everywhere you can have it, just go do it. And if they offer an app, use the app. If they only offer the text message code, I get it. SIM hacking and all that is a real thing. But still having even that basic six digit code is so many orders of magnitude better than having nothing. So just go do that. But beyond all that, the theme being hacking the human, stop handing out the information that they're going to use to try to attack you. We've talked in the past about, I I can sit here till I'm blue in the face. I get it. Social media is not going away. I, I accept it. i I've said countless times, (laughs) I've said countless times, I'm not a big partaker of it, but I I obviously participate in this industry enough to know it's not going anywhere. But for the love of God, (laughs) stop actively handing out the information that people are going to use. We've all seen the security questions to reset your password. Please don't use answers to those questions that are readily available on the first screen of your Facebook page. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah I they, mean, it's normal to want to post online about stuff you like, but sure. don't use those specific things. Maybe. Do well, that people was, need another... to know the street you grew up on? Do they yeah, need right. to know mm-hmm. the name of your first pet? Do they need to know where, because where, where you, where you honeymooned all the, we've seen these questions time and time and time again, and all of that information mm-hmm. is readily available. So at minimum, all these services offer, but they don't force what they offer to lock down the privacy settings so that Again, this is far from foolproof, but at least make that information so that it's harder to get to if they at least don't giant air quotes here know you. Right. We could do a whole episode about you know the 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 you know, the old adage you know no one deletes apps you know, that, you right. know if no no one maintains their friend list. So I don't I want to stop short of saying oh well as long as only your friends can see it then you're fine right yeah except that I bet if you went and looked there are people on there you haven't talked to in a decade and for all oh, you know yeah. that account has been hijacked and been compromised for nine of the last 10 years right. and someone's just sitting there passively collecting data from all their quote-unquote friends accounts and using it for attacks so don't don't sleep well at night just because oh well I turned on all my privacy settings but much like MFA it's still a great first start don't mm-hmm. just blast it out there. So if I Google your name and the first thing that comes up is a Facebook page that just anyone can walk off the street metaphorically onto and start gathering all this information, you just handed them the first three shots are going to whiz over your head. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, and speaking of Facebook, this will be the last thing I throw out there. But the 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 big thing on Facebook that people don't get is you will go on there and you will see so many fun little surveys to interact oh. with your friends. And you go on there and it's like, you know, fill out this information and we'll give you your whatever name, your fantasy name, we'll give you your, you know, whatever. And so, and you go on there and they've got all these questions that you fill out and it's like, okay, to, to find your fantasy name, it's the color of your shirt, 
and the streets yep. you grew up on. Right. And then people put that information in and then they click it and then it like brings up a little neat graphic yep. with their with their name. Well, they just collected the street you grew up on. That's one of your MFA. One of the most one common of reset, reset questions. Yeah. Yep. And, you know, and, you know, find out which Hogwarts house you belong in. And there's like, yes, I know how much questions. you're all. What I was, was just going to say growing up. <laughs> I, I, I know how much you're all enjoying Hogwarts legacy, but stop mm. it. Right. <laughs> Go to the yeah. Pottermore webpage and do it. No, right. No, exactly. You know, it's <laughs> Shameless just, plug. You, right. But there's, there's a lot of those questions, those surveys out there and they're coming up constantly. Yep. And I constantly see friends of mine like posting the results. I got my results. Click on the thing to do your survey. And it's mm -hmm. like, you just gave away so much of your information, information to some, to some random company that is literally just compiling it in a database to sell information to other people about you. Mm -hmm. You know, they take what they can comb, like you said, John, off of the front page of your Facebook, yep. the answers to all of your survey questions. And they put that in a database and they can basically push a button and it'll spit out your most likely passwords. Yeah. Mm -hmm. At minimum, they can now very competently impersonate you. Yep. Yes. Just with that information, going back to, you know, w with a $4 domain name and that information, they can now very, very competently impersonate you online. Yep. If you have a minute to let that sink in, that by itself should be terrifying. And if it's not, I strongly suggest you reassess your views on the technology landscape as a whole. Because I will tell you, it's one of the things that so someone successfully impersonating me to others is one of my biggest fears, even if they can't compromise my accounts. And I know they can't. I mean, I, again, none of these solutions are perfect. Even if they don't circumvent all my security, even if, 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 if all giant air quotes there, if all they can do is successfully and competently convince someone else that they are me, that literally sends ice water through my, it is terrifying mm -hmm. to yep. me. And we're handing out that information. I think that, and this is getting into a much broader topic for many other days. Uh, one of the slow, steady marches of things we as a, as a society have, has been desensitized to, especially in recent years and not to be that old man on his soapbox, but <laughs> That we have been, Eric, what you were just talking about, we've been so desensitized to willfully and knowingly handing over our private personal information. Yep. Things that no one has a good reason to know or need to know. We're just like, here you go. Yeah. And they're not even giving us a very sarcastic here, good thing in exchange for it. Mm -hmm. At least once upon a time, I got a $5 Subway gift card. <laughs> you know what? I, but right. Seriously, like there's the transaction has been so cheapened. It's just what you just said. I'm going to put two words together and give it to you on a graphic in exchange for 10 to 20 critical pieces of information about yep. you that could be used for something else. And there are quote unquote legitimate and Ill, obviously those are all illegitimate things where they could be used to impersonate you or compromise account or what have you. But you know, while I'm on the soapbox, there is a reason why every store you've ever walked out of wants to give you some kind of membership card, discount card, yes. or club card. It's oh because a at inception, they're gathering more information about you, their customer. Mm -hmm. But then every time you swipe it for the rest of ever in exchange for 0.0004% back on your freaking purchases, they are now going to have a 
fully itemized, you know, down to the deepest detail record of every time you've walked in their store, everything you've ever bought, when do you shop most often, where do you where do you shop? All these critical points mm-hmm. of data, we're handing it over in exchange for almost, if not nothing. So you can that's paying them for the privilege. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's just and bring it full circle. What we're here to talk about today. Obviously, I'm not saying that Best Buy is out there to directly hack you in exchange right. for your my for your Best Buy rewards card. But these are all ways that we've you know, that the hackers do know this. They know that we're so used to these interactions yeah. that it's nothing for them. Air come full circle. What you said and code to you as well. Now they can ask for these bits of information, and it not only doesn't seem out of the ordinary, it seems perfectly normal because right, you're just right. used to handing this information over all day, every yeah. day. Normally, it, it cheapens the information places. in your Absolutely. mind. You're so desensitized mm-hmm. to it. You don't think that this information is worthwhile because everybody, oh God, they're asking for this stuff again. Yep. And, and you just kind of hand it over because you've done it a million times because literally everybody's asking What's for a it. million and one? And they even do... I've noticed like you'll go somewhere, you purchase something, they'll just say, oh, what's your email? They don't even ask if you want to sign up anymore. <laughs> they'll oh, say, yeah, no, oh, what's your email? Like, I'll type it in here. I'm like, no, that's okay. <laughs> yeah, there was a, Thanks. There yeah. was a fantastic article the other day. I want to say it was one of the Verge writers who we always end up seeing to refer back to, but they do, <laughs> they, they, they do great work. Um, about, yeah, the, 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 art, the title of the article loosely, I'm paraphrasing, was, you know, I don't want to log into your website. And it's true. Like, it used to be, to log into something was either, you know, it was because it was a paid experience, like you were logging into something you were paying for, a subscription or something yeah. like that. Or, you know, at minimum, there was some kind of transactional nature to it where you had account information on file, things like that. But now to you guys' point, it's becoming so commonplace to need to log in just to passively get to information. Like I just want to mm-hmm. read the thing. But, yes. you know, used to be talking about paywalls. Now at minimum, there's an info wall between me and where I want to get and, you know, do not pass go, do not collect 200 bits of information until you've handed over your information. And they're not just doing that because they're curious. It's because, and this is the point I wanted to reinforce your information is valuable. Mm -hmm. It just is. It has literal value. Your email address, the knowledge of connecting your name, your person to your email address is valuable. Your name to the street you grew up on, Eric, to your point, is valuable. All these connections have literal, I don't want to say, tan- but, well, you know, yeah, literal tangible value, both to perfectly legitimate businesses and to the people who want to empty your bank account. And sometimes they're the mm-hmm. same person. I was, yeah, was going to say, <laughs> that sounds like the same person. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I just, that that's... This is, of course, about hacking the human, but I think a lot, of, of, for me anyway, and the strategies that I try to get bring to people are one of the first steps to preventing the hacking of the human is making the human open their eyes and realize the value of what they're protecting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it's not just your bank account. And they it's have to know they're being hacked portfolio. also. It literally can be as simple as your name, address, and telephone number. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. That that by itself is hugely valuable to someone who wants to do you harm or use your information to perpetrate an attack against someone else. Yeah. Guard your information. I'm not saying go dig a hole in the ground and live in a bunker, although there are days. Um, but <laughs> like having a more defensive strategy about even the most basic bits of our information going back to just having MFA is a huge step forward. Just adopting that thought exercise 
is a huge step forward in protecting mm-hmm. ourselves, protecting our information, protecting the places we work and the people that we serve at those at the places we work. So the, the trickle down effect is huge and meaningful to real lives every day. Yeah. Oh yeah. So any uh any other you know kind of bringing it back down to ground level for example I, you know want to pick you guys' brain one more time just because again you guys are really you know so much at the front line with all this what are some bits of you know advice you guys pass along to people that we work with you know you know obviously you know have a good password have mfa so on but yeah. are there any other just you know parting nuggets that might help someone just not do the bad thing. Sure. I mean, again, going back to what I, one of the first things I said, um, Microsoft's never going to ask for your password. They're never going right. to send you an email asking for your password. They're never going to call you for your password. You're just, it's just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you get an email that looks like it came from Microsoft asking you to change to, up, you know, update your password or whatever, yeah. don't click on any links, delete the email feel free to go out to the Microsoft website, not clicking on the link, type it in microsoft.com, yep. click on the login link. On and then go change your password. And, and you and use your password to log in. If it doesn't give you a warning on that page, your right, then you're probably fine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> Microsoft actually recommends to not to automatically change like their best practices. If you're to your point earlier, if you're using MFA and have these other protections in place, yep. the best practices have a good emphasis on unique password and mm-hmm. don't change it. You are so much better off having a well-crafted, good password that has been used nowhere else. And I keep beating that to death because it's so critical that you've used nowhere else and then keeping it because just incrementing your password by one number every 90 days is not doing anything to protect you better. That's just next to the line on the password list they're trying, you know? (laughs) Right. Come on on now. Uh, Sorry. Yeah, that's the big one for me. For you. Yeah. Cody, what do you think? Um, no, I mean, back to what you were saying about MFA and the password thing, I, I, I almost feel like just taking, you know, that first step being a code that, or, you know, the password, the second step being the code, like that should almost be in your mind, like default, like when yes. you set up a new account, just set up MFA right away. Like, like it's no longer just like, oh, I just have a username and password. It's like username, code and password. I feel yeah, like it shouldn't should be, be retroactive. It should be yeah. in exchange for an account. You must mm-hmm. do blank. And that's, that's, that's mm-hmm. legitimately what we're doing with people across a lot of the platforms we serve mm-hmm. for folks. Yep. It's no longer, Hey, we're going to migrate you to this solution. And then in a couple of weeks, we'll be back to set up your MFA. Uh, uh-uh. uh, mm-hmm. day one of go live. You want to use this, you know, shiny new widget. The cost is you must set up all of this protection oh, yeah. information because it doesn't take two weeks for the attack mm-hmm. to happen. Nope. I mean, any, if a, someone who knows what they're doing is aware you migrated the day you did it because there's so many tells out there that that migration took place and they're coming for you. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> optimism always being one of the things we try to draw it back to. I, I do want to kind of bring it full circle one last time to all this stuff sounds really scary and it should because the, the, the potential for damage is so real. I mean, it, and it can be lasting impact. It can change lives, not for the better. I mean, these are very, very you know high stakes, scary situations out there. But the good news is there are, and we've talked about some of them here today, there are so many relatively easy, I get it, putting in the code for the 12th time that day isn't fun, but the totality of that adding up to maybe two minutes of your day to potentially save 
months or years of cleaning up from an identity, you know, theft or, you know, financial fraud or the stolen funds or what have you, or uh, call what is the loss of a job. I mean, I know people who have lost their job due to a moment of just a bad decision. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there was no, you know, no, no ill will whatsoever. They just made a mistake, but the mistake was sufficient. They don't work there anymore. And that's Mm -hmm. like, that's a real thing that happens. So the the stakes for stuff can be really high, but going back to the the optimism part, the things we can do aren't necessarily hard. Speaking to the business owners out there, they are not necessarily expensive and just consult with you, find your trusted advisor, find your, you know, IT or, you know, information security professional ask, what mm-hmm. can I be doing? What can I put in place to protect? And then if you don't have direct access to someone like that, just take away with this, go audit all the points. One of the litmus tests I tell people is for starters and Cody, I agree. It should be everything. Cause again, mm-hmm. our information is valuable. It's not just about money, right. but for starters, go find every place on the internet. You have some kind of payment information stored mm-hmm. and go lock it down. Just start there. I mean, you might be please. surprised how many it is <laughs> and be surprised how many it is. And if there are places going back to, you know, the cost of convenience, mm-hmm. don't store your card so many places. Another first right. one. I, I, I learned that lesson. I think I've talked about, you don't know, the time. Yeah, don't part. check that box there. Don't yeah. check. Remember, yeah. you know, just like, you know, learning phone, you know, remembering phone numbers is a lost art. Remembering passwords has become a lost art. Come up with good passwords you're going to remember and then remember them. Mm-hmm. And it just, just really, again, it's not hard. I'm not saying it's. It is definitely inconvenient, but I, I refuse to believe that it's hard. We are fully capable people of doing these things and doing them well and making the job harder for the attacker because a lot of these attacks are perpetrated against easy targets. Think mm-hmm. about, you know, to apply a very old metaphor, the guy trying to break into a, a house in a neighborhood going door, door to door. If they see the alarm system is armed, if they see all the, the, as simple as if they see the door is locked, if they, right. they find the house that the alarm is off and the door is unlocked and there's a plate of warm cookies sitting on the table, guess <laughs> what? That's the one they're going to go for first every time. So you have your more targeted situations like we talked about earlier, and that's where a well-designed, well-defined security strategy is so important. But those are the exception to the rule. The majority of these attacks, Eric, you said earlier, are such wide nets that are being cast yep. just by putting the most basic of security measures in place, you've now excluded yourself from that lowest hanging fruit that are most likely to be ground zero of that kind of attack. So these are not hard things. They're not expensive. Oftentimes they don't cost anything. These companies are themselves investing dramatically into giving you the tools to protect yourself because it's in their Mm -hmm. best interest. They don't want you, believe me when I tell you, Target does not want their account getting hacked again any more than they want your account getting hacked. And, and and the list goes on. So uh, just have have a strategy, have a basic strategy. Like I said, if you have someone you can consult and confer with, use those resources. Even if you don't, just apply good common sense. If you had a pile of cash sitting on your table, what steps would you take to protect it? And then in a digital sense, apply those same strategies to your digital footprint. You know, Put it in the metaphorical safe, hide the combination, set up a secure, you know what I mean? Do the things that you would do to protect that thing that you find valuable. And then as a last bit, take a beat, press pause for a second. I mean it. And think about the things that have value that aren't necessarily monetary. And I mean that by saying 
your coming back to your if I've beaten this one today because it's really important to me rethink the value of your information because you guys are right it has become so common culture just hand it over they don't even have to give you a good reason just all I have to do is put a form in front of your plate your face that says oh you want to get here hand over these 10 critical pieces of information and we'll let you in Mm. yikes yeah is the thing you want to get to right is the thing you want to get to worthy of that exchange of information or are you just bored Mm -hmm. oh yeah yeah i mean if if you know they work pretty hard to take our info if we work you know just as hard to protect it then maybe we can (laughs) try to even it out you know just balance the equation a little bit i mean these exchanges these transactions are 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 also a necessary part of life i obviously go throughout my day handing over currency in a literal or a you know digital sense and get goods and services back the same that that same exchange happens with my information in a business sense i have to prove who i am to do any number of things that are a part of my job to engage in certain you know other transactions or products i have to you know exchange information in a legitimate sense to do that. These are real things that are okay to do, but just reassess the value of that transaction. Is it worth it? Just like I'm hoping you wouldn't hand over $50 for a Coke. Are mm-hmm. you willing to hand over a certain number of your, you know, your pieces of personal information in exchange for reading a web page? Right. So Oh, on that uh, on that digital <laughs> bombshell, I guess we'll uh, wrap it up for this week. Anything you guys want to tag in there at the end? Put put your MFA on, change your password. Yeah, yeah stay That's safe, it. y'all. Yeah. Stay safe. <laughs> All right. Well, with that, we will wrap it up and catch you next time. Later. Later. <laughs>